0: We are Sarah and Laura. We are doulas, mothers, women, wives, and entrepreneurs. We love a lot of things. The gym, food, coffee, health, kombucha, our families, and our friends. We are so committed to being authentic, honest, and vulnerable and showing up
1: here just the way we are. We promise to never positive wash anything, but please know that we are wholeheartedly committed to radically thriving. With this podcast, we hope to connect on a deeper level and talk about hard stuff. Ultimately, we want women and mothers to know deeply who they are and what makes them feel happy. Whether you're getting into a bath or taking us on a walk with you. Or maybe you're commuting to work. We are honored that you chose our podcast to listen to. (laughs) Hi. I don't know what order these episodes are going to be in, but it makes me laugh every time that we still don't have an opening. I
0: know. We just would.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Hi, friends. Thanks for listening and joining us. Um, Today, we have Rebecca, our friend and birth client, with us to talk to us about her two births,
1: and um, it's a beautiful Thursday. And (laughs) (laughs) tell us more about Rebecca. She is... a A crunchy, crunchy crunchy force. Mm -hmm. (laughs) One of the best huggers I know. Yes. Yeah. I have,
0: um, known her with long hair and short hair. (laughs) She has traveled the world. Yes.
1: Um, we, we hover all in the same community did until she moved away and left us. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She had the pleasure of working for our dear friend. (laughs) That's how we met you. Also, that would maybe be torture working for him. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, welcome, Rebecca. We're just talking about you in front of you. That's fine. Hi, I'm Rebecca.
2: <laughs> I'm crunchy and I'm a force. <laughs> yes. Is that,
0: I mean, that's accurate, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I do. I feel like that's quite accurate. Yeah. Although I wasn't always crunchy or a force. So Ooh. it's fun to be that today. Yeah. yeah. How did you get there? I don't know. I was um, I was just a a girl following the typical, societally expected path, climbing a corporate ladder until I met a dude who was like, "I'm quitting my job to travel." I'm like, "You're nuts!" Bye, and then he left and he got hit by a motorcycle and he came home and we've been together ever since. And I did end up quitting my job to travel and it changed me forever. I have
1: goosebumps. Wow. (laughs) Are you writing a book? You should write a book. I'd read your bio. I'm probably writing several books and yeah. I'll let you know when they come out one day. I feel like you have
0: no time to write a book right now. So thank you no. for taking this time to be on here with us.
1: Yes. tell I'm us happy your- to be here.
0: Uh, yes. <laughs> tell us about your latest venture.
1: Yeah. Um, which one? <laughs> the one with the lotions and creams. Mm-hmm. Okay, I run a business
2: called the Detour Company, and we have we make skincare. And so we've over the summer had sun cream, bug spray, body butter, and are about to expand into face cream, face toner, deodorant, all that stuff. And we just we focus on using natural ingredients from the earth because I have such. A deep appreciation for mother nature and i believe that when we can connect more deeply with her we can connect more deeply with ourselves and then be more open to connections within the community i just there's like so much interwoven and i believe at least my experience is that nature has taught me
1: that we all need each other Mm -hmm. i love that i'm just writing down quotes i always (laughs) say need some deodorant (laughs)
2: right now (laughs) yeah
1: where can we get your products i'm going to put it in the show notes
2: um so we have an online website there's some retailers up here in muskoka uh pretty natural did have some of our body butters at some point i'm not sure if they still have any in stock um but other than there's not really anywhere in london okay Um, so online is the main retailer unless you live in muskoka like me. <laughs> Let's change that. Let's get someone carrying your stuff in London. I know, I'm working on it. Actually, at one of our markets, I ran into someone that works at a health store in London, and she's like, "Talk to the owner." And I was like, "Yes, this is a sign I need to keep. Get back on that." We've been really crazy this summer with markets, which has been my most favorite thing. Aww. I just want to be at a market every day talking yeah. to people. It's the best. I love that. And, uh, so it's consuming a lot of our time. And then fall, I think we're going to focus back on like expanding our retailers.
0: Mm-hmm. So when we said, um, tell us about your latest venture and you were like, which one? What other ones are there?
2: I feel like moving to Muskoka was a massive venture. Right. Was a venture. That's it's like having a second child. I'm now a mother of two. I mean, she's nearly a year old, but I, just the last year has been an adventure for someone who's been on like, you know, a 14 month honeymoon.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. That was an adventure, but this has been the last year has just been so, so wild. Yeah.
1: Wow. Let's dive right into your first birth. Yeah. So where did you begin your pregnancy journey? Like, did you, did you know you were a crunchy birther? when you got pregnant? Yeah, I had dreams of
2: like home water birth. Mm -hmm. That was what we were going for. We had hired a doula. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, and it was the most beautiful pregnancy I've had. I was gifted with such glorious, like goddess pregnancies. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was, I don't know, I think it was like 35 weeks maybe when I found out my baby was breech and it just flipped everything upside down. Like the baby was upside down. The baby was upside down. (laughs) my world turned upside down because I went from planning this like home, serene water birth to opening my mind to the possibility of a cesarean, which felt like the complete opposite end of the spectrum.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. So in a matter of weeks, like we just dove into information, research, blogs, videos. I was really fortunate that my midwife at the time connected us with an OB in London who was comfortable with breech vaginal birth. So having that conversation felt good. Um, How
0: did you find out? Was it
1: it palpation? Did the midwife palpate and figure it out? Or was it an ultrasound? No, it was a late ultrasound because she was checking her notes
2: and she, the placenta had in my previous like one ultrasound, the placenta looked like it was not, it was too close to the cervix or something. And so she's like, let's do a late ultrasound to check that out. And then it was like, oh, surprise, here's this other thing. Ugh. And so,
0: I mean, I would love it if this podcast is the one that we have people listen to when they when find out they're breech. They're, yeah, they find out they have a breech baby. And, you know, we're finding as the model of care becomes or stays, the same, Mm -hmm. you know, just very medical technocratic. We have the majority of OBs who will not do a vaginal breach birth. I'd love for you to go into detail of like what that looked like, felt like, and how you started to go down the path of even knowing that breach was a variation of normal, how you you felt about that and and how it
2: was to advocate for a vaginal breach birth. You know what? I don't even know. Like I kind of feel like I was in a daze and I kind of feel like the stars aligned because it was our midwife that was like, I got you in with the OB that's comfortable with vaginal breech birth. And like, I didn't do that. She did. Okay. And so, so so it's on a path to being like, this is a possibility. And then I was like watching that like vaginal breech birth videos and like looking into the statistics of it. And looking into like how other countries approach it so differently. And I just felt so empowered going into that birth. I'm like, I can do this. I had my midwife, my OB, my doula, everyone was saying, yep, this is possible.
1: That's amazing. I feel like that's become
0: more rare. So rare. And even just, um, I was at a birth the other day and I mentioned something about how not all OBs are like up to date and trained in it because, and so, and the comment from the midwife was like, well, I would rather not have an OB come in. Who's not experienced. And I'm like, well, hundred percent, no one wants that, but why aren't they experienced? Like mm. they just keep getting sent to a section. And so then the, it, there's no practicing these skills. And she, she went down the whole path of like, well, watching a baby come out and they have to use forceps on its head. I'm like, hey, can we not? I think this is just immediately where she jumped. But yeah, anyway, you keep talking. I want to hear about what you have to say.
2: Well, I went into it pretty excited and empowered. And then my, I think I was, so I went overdue. I was 41 plus three. And went into birth naturally through my water breaking. And we were just kind of like excited. And there was this, this one thing that sort of lingered in my mind. And it was when I had asked my OB, like, what happens when I get to the hospital? And she said, I was like, Do I tell like what do I tell them about the baby? She's like, you don't even have to tell them it's breach. Okay. And so <laughs> she's like, you don't have to tell them. Um, so anyway, I'm in labor ish or whatever. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. We're at home. And from my perspective, I'm like, it feels like it's getting pretty strong. I don't know. They're kind of frequent. And we had also heard that with breach babies, the contractions can be really inconsistent. And it was certainly true for me, you know, it could be 30 seconds apart or two minutes apart. And, but we were kind of averaging it out, being like, this is looks like it's pretty much going on and so I called my midwife and she's like oh yeah you should probably go into the hospital and so then I did and our doula met us there and I got into triage and like labor stopped Mm -hmm. I just was very uncomfortable and and as soon as the like nurse triage nurse wanted to like do an exam. And as soon as I said like, Oh, by the way, the baby's breech. And I had kind of been like tossing it around in my head. Like, do I say anything? And I did. And she just stopped and just kind of was like, okay. And like left. <laughs> and I was like, Oh gosh. So then I'm not in labor. She, it was awful. She like asked me to like squat over uh, one of those blue pads To prove that my water had broken, she wanted to see like the cervical fluid, the fluid like coming out of me. Oh my gosh. That's so inhumane. Yeah. And you know, my labor isn't really moving at that point. She had sort of told, like she told the OB on call, but we were there for quite a long time and I, nothing was happening with me anymore. And then the OB on call came in and was not comfortable with my choice to attempt a vaginal delivery. She said some like pretty harsh things based on like what she had been taught and said she wouldn't support that. She would only support me in a, in like a, a cesarean. So at this point, like my labor isn't happening. And she's like, I'm not, I don't even want to induce you because you're not ready to have a conversation about a cesarean. And so we were just in this like standoff, my labor isn't happening. And I knew that my OB was on call next.
1: Ah. So
2: part of me is like, I kind of just have to wait this out. And I was really torn. Um, but we stuck it out. We were like walked around the hospital. This was 2018. So like we were able to go outside, walk around. I was doing stairs. And eventually we got, we got up into like the birthing unit or whatever it's called. Mm. And still kind of, I don't even know if I saw that OB again. I, there was a resident, I guess, that was then sort of monitoring me and like hours and hours were going by. And at one point the resident came in and she just said something really, I can't remember what it was now, but it was like, so when we start you on pitosinor, when you get your epidural. And I was just like, I would like to have conversations. I don't do well with people telling me what I'm going to be doing. And bless her, she sat down with me for 45 minutes and we talked out every scenario. And I asked her a ton of questions. Okay. And if I do that, how's that going to impact me? How's that going to impact the baby? What are the possibilities? And I was so grateful because that really kind of shifted my comfort levels with her. Yeah. Um, And, but I just felt like there was this time clock on my head because by now, I had been in labor or whatever, my water broke, right? Mm. So it's like they have that 24 hour clock on you if you don't, if you don't have a baby, yeah worried about infection and stuff. And I hadn't been positive, whatever it is. So GBS. Positive, whatever. Um actually I don't even know if I did that test. But <laughs> <laughs> Neither did we. Yeah. Um uh, so at some point it's like, okay, now I knew that my OB was going to be going on call and I was still not inactive, like anywhere close to labor, like having some contractions, but not nothing really. And then this woman walks in and she's like, Hey, Rebecca, I hear you want to have a breech vaginal baby. And everyone out there is really scared of you. (laughs) But I love breech babies. And I was just like, thank you. Let's get the Pitocin started.
1: And and she's like, whoa. This is a nurse
2: or an OB or a resident? That wasn't my new nurse. So like it was 7 p.m. and like things were changing. Okay. And and so yeah, she just shows up and she's just literally an angel. Just like an, an angel just landed in my life. Do we know who this angel is? Have
1: you spoken? Uh, her name is Sarah.
2: I heard she's retired now. Okay. Um, damn. She was from the UK. That's why she loves breech. She's like, yes. oh, I was a midwife in the UK and I have handled a lot of vaginal breech births and mm-hmm. I love them. And I'm like, great, let's do this. And so I'm like, let's start the And She's like, oh, wow. I thought you weren't into that. I was like, I know that my OB is going on call right now mm-hmm. and I want to have this baby this way. So this birth or this labor needs to get going. So. We did and the pitocin started and it was like fast and furious everything started going and i was in and out of the tub and i had no epidural at that point no pain meds or anything and then they were like you're at 10 centimeters i'm like awesome let's do this and then they're like wait but you have to wait two hours i'm like what do you mean and they're like well just since you're having a breech baby just to make sure your cervix really is fully dilated. We need you to wait here. Yeah. Pardon? And I'm in like excruciating pain. Like the contractions are just on top of each other. I mean, yeah. Um, and I'm like, are you, are you? are you talking, have the, talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Did you have the urge to push then though? Yeah, my body was pushing. And the and nurse was like, like, Rebecca, you can't do that. Oh, and they're beginning to hold. breathe
0: through it. Ugh.
2: I'm like, what? are you talking about? Cause then I'm like, well, give me a freaking epidural. Cause you guys are rude.
1: Yeah. I feel um, like that
0: shouldn't be a protocol. If you don't
1: know, like two out waiting two hours is protocol when you already have an epidural, but
0: you know what? Someone just told me this week, there isn't even really, um, a adequate science. evidence to suggest that that really brings the station down, down. Yeah. because you have the expulsive power. Use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like my body was doing it. Yeah, and you're just getting tired trying to wait it out for two hours.
2: Yeah, because this is probably, this is the, my water had broke at like 9 a.m. and this is probably 11 p.m.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: all day I had been in like stress, labor, not labor. Yeah. Um, And then, so I was like, let's get the upper girl. The first one didn't take. And then the second one, only worked half Ugh. and it and then I looked at the anesthesiologist and I was just like I really don't like you can you go find someone who's gonna make I was like I don't even want to be getting this thing go find someone who's gonna do it right yeah it was like 45 minutes in between each yeah. of these things they have to like wait and see if it works so now more hours are going by when I could have in my mind I'm like I could have been having this baby right now yeah yeah and then finally, so the dude comes, he gives me the proper epidural, and we all go to bed, <laughs> we all just sleep. I don't, I ended up going into the OR. So I, I said, yes, I will give birth in the OR in case something happens. So I go into this big, bright room, can't feel my body, surrounded by people because I also said yes People can come in because when I was having my vaginal breach birth, I wanted people to see it because yeah. obviously some education was needed mm-hmm. and it was, it was 4:44 AM when I got rolled into that room.
1: Oh, wow. wow.
2: And, but in that moment, when I saw that number, there was just a huge part of me that softened and was like, it's going to be okay.
0: Mm. Whatever
2: happens here, it's going to be okay but I mean, I was, I was completely exhausted. So the nurse is telling me to push when I push, but I was literally falling asleep between contractions. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it's, I was pushing for two hours and then it was like, then do you want me to say the doctor that was supporting the vaginal breach birth? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Forensic. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, he, uh, he did come in and I think they were all like, you've been doing this for a long time. So there was like four steps at the end. Mm -hmm. And I had a baby.
0: Amazing. (laughs) I remember you telling me that there was um, a nurse who said something to you at the end.
2: Oh, my midwife came over to me and she's like, you just changed a lot of lives. Yes. And like, that was a real feel it because it was like, something I always knew I was cape like could occur I knew my body was capable of that um to have so many people on that like it felt so twisted because while I was pregnant people were just like yep we can do this you can do this we can do this and then on the day when it's all happening everyone was putting up walls and everyone was telling me I couldn't everyone like it was you know, it's scary to think of how many people aren't trained in this. Mm-hmm. There's one in 20 people that are having breach babies. There's hundreds of people giving birth at the hospitals in London every month. Those are a lot of people not being given the choice that they deserve because the staff is not trained. It's not our fault. Yeah. It's not our fault. Mm.
0: What do you think about the statement breach is a variation of normal?
2: Um, Yeah, sure. I don't know. What is normal? Like, isn't birth different for everyone? Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Totally.
2: I guess breach was certainly a variation of normal for me. Breach was my normal. That is how my body chose to carry that baby. Mm -hmm. And my body birthed that baby balls first, balls first. <laughs> frank reach also so I will put like a disclaimer it was a frank reach it was the the like most like I guess I could say safest yeah it wasn't foot laying or anything it was just it was just
1: backwards it was <laughs> butt first instead of head first
2: mm-hmm.
0: which
1: I think is fair that people should be offered that conversation like yeah, there are some like really wonderful candidates for a breech birth. And then there are some that get like a little bit, maybe some more thought needs to go into it, but for the most part, it should be a conversation, not a automatic C-section with no options being offered.
0: Mm -hmm. You're right though. It's just the lack of training. Yeah.
1: They're just not
0: allowing it to happen. And so then you just get more and more years that go by where no, no one's doing them. And so then there's not the transfer of skills and it's brutal. And it's like the, the process we see it all the time is you can go for an ECV or, um, and if that doesn't work, then we're having a section
2: yeah, and I mean, we tried all the things, and this was four years ago. So like my memory of how I felt in that month, like I said, like it was a bit of a daze and a bit of just alignment occurring for me because we tried everything. Mm-hmm. I went to an osteopath, I had the naturopath, mugwort thing. We tried ECV. But by then, like Morensic had tried the ECV. He's like, "I can't even get this baby out of your pelvis. They're so yeah. stuck. They're just they're in there and ready. Mm-hmm. So we're not turning this baby. Mm -hmm. And it was like, okay, then I just, we're going to go ahead and see what happens here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think the last number I heard was that um, six of the, is it 22 or 24 OBs will attempt, but I think it's even lower than that. Yeah. I think it's more
1: like two. Yeah. I think that one of the biggest problems too is, and I see it with our clients, even there's a ton of them that have said that they're, thinking they might be breached even within the last couple of months, people Mm -hmm. we have who are coming up to being due. And when you hear your baby's breach, you automatically think that you've done something wrong or something's wrong with your baby or your body. Like it's just that one kind of like kicking the foot out from underneath of you for you to lose your intuition or knock you off the path or Mm -hmm. start questioning things that you wouldn't have questioned before where you stayed the course Really, because your midwife gave you the authority to believe in your path, where I think so many people don't get that. Nobody's saying to them, this is actually an okay thing to mm-hmm. do. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, there's so much wrapped up in it. And I definitely felt for a very long time that there was something wrong with my body. Mm-hmm. Probably up until I found out my second baby was not breached. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like I definitely had those feelings and carried that because that day that I just sort of like skipped through and gave you the Coles notes was like an incredibly traumatic day for me that I took a really long time to heal from. The way I was treated, the things that were said to me and The amount of times I felt completely unsupported and out of control, like with the time, the clocks that I was talking about, like I felt like I was on a clock. My body was expected to do this thing. And then I'm told that I'm going to, like, you know, like I was, she, the OB, she said that, like, I was putting my life and my baby's life's risks in, like, in danger. Mm. And it just felt like she just told me I'm going to kill my baby if I do this. And it was such a tough, like, it was a struggle. I had to advocate for myself over and over again. And it's no wonder I wasn't in labor anymore.
0: Yeah. No, yeah.
2: correct beyond measure. I was fighting for myself. How can a woman who's fighting, like, surrender to the flow required for birth?
0: You can't. You can't. You There's. Can't we've seen
2: it. Yeah. There's
0: no parasympathetic nervous system happening. There's no no rest. It's just fight, flight, freeze. Yeah.
2: Yeah. There was like moments of softening, Mm. but it wasn't enough because anytime I softened, then I had to stand up again. Yeah. You get ambushed. Yeah. Yeah. So there's so many checks and questions and yeah, it was not great. Not great. So uh, was your midwife
0: with you the entire time or did she have
2: to go off clock after a while? No, she that's kind of part of my trauma. She didn't show up till the end. Okay, mm. which isn't what I expected. Right. Yeah. She came in because we had been on the phone with her the whole time and we had asked her when she was coming and if she would come and she just kept saying like there's no point in me being there. I'm not the primary caregiver. And I was really hurt by that. Yeah. Um, she did come in at the end. Um, she provided like incredible postnatal, support, like everything except for those twenty four hours when I could have really used the familiar birth support. Yeah, a doula as well. Um, yeah. but uh, you know what? Our, when we hired that doula, I we I was like, I just need Tyler to be helped, my mm-hmm. husband. Mm-hmm. I was like, birth is my jam. I can do this. There was just something in me that always knew I can do this. I'm capable of it. And I don't know if it's because I just read the Ina May Gaskin books of birth. Like that's what I chose for my birth. Yeah. Um, but I just felt so empowered about birth going into it that I was like, my husband needs help. Not me. I'm made for this.
1: Mm -hmm. And
2: so she did a wonderful job of supporting my husband, but was by no means the doula that was going to stand up and speak up. And I don't even think I would have let her. Yeah. Right. Because part of my life lesson in that birth was I, I chose to speak up for myself every step along the way. And I really put myself in a place where I got hurt over and over again And that was a lesson for me that I don't have to be the one speaking up for myself all the time. And like, again, these are lessons I've integrated over time and it, it, uh, there's a, there was a lot of pain in that day for a really long time.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Wow. I just love you. (laughs) (laughs) I love you too. (laughs) Oh man. I'm just realizing that I have not still integrated very many lessons from my birth 11 years ago. Mm-hmm. I know uh, that
1: about you. No, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know that. Shoot. Um, are
2: you still doing your Reiki? Uh, I put it on hold to focus on Detour Co. through the summer. Yeah. But I do have some fall things coming up that I'll be announcing. soon (laughs) cool
1: yeah what was your postpartum like first time around after going through (laughs) yeah
2: it sucked I don't know I played it cool I felt like I needed to have it together um oh so yes postpartum I was fucked like that birth Mm -hmm. fucked me up Mm -hmm. I would my nervous system was shot my baby's nervous system was shot he would cry for three hours Every night before going to bed it was horrific I had no idea what I was caught up in and um I had some mom friends at the time but not many and they were busy caring for their kids and their newborns and my mom stepped in like my mom's a wonderful mother and she wanted to show me how to be the wonderful mother she was And so every time I did something differently, I got, uh, I don't know, it felt like an attack. Like I would breastfeed on demand. And like the one, I had mastitis when he was like three weeks old. And it was a day when I had two appointments. So my mom was coming to help me get around to those two appointments. And I'm just sitting in my rocking chair, breastfeeding him, getting ready to like find the energy to walk out the door because at this point I didn't realize I had mastitis I just felt gross
1: yeah
2: and I'm sitting there breastfeeding and my mom just looks at me like oh honey with like such pity like you're breastfeeding him again and I'm like I'm pretty sure I'm supposed to be doing this because I have mastitis and he's three weeks old so I want to keep doing this and it's just there is um this generational thing where I was making different choices and it took a while for my mom to wrap her head around that. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: it was a big learning curve for both of us in the early weeks, early months um, that I, I, again, I just had to keep standing up for myself when I thought I would have the like soft, soothing, supportive mother that I had. Um, But when I was making choices that were different than hers or that she didn't understand, um, it it just created a a rift between us because mm-hmm. I, I was i was so hurt in so many ways i was so sensitive yeah it's not that she had any ill intention it's she was doing what she thought was best mm-hmm. and nobody including myself had any idea how messed up i was at that point
1: right it was as if you had just been to war mm-hmm. and came yeah. back and then now and they- everyone said you should be okay Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have a baby. You had your vaginal. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And they're telling me I'm a rock star. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you had an eight pound vaginal baby. Yeah. Yeah. And everyone's telling me I'm a rock star. And I just, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I will ever really understand like the depths of that grossness I was in because I glazed over it so much and went on as if I was okay when I wasn't and that all kind of came out just over time you know Mm -hmm. when I believe you kind of know that like when healing is meant to happen it happens Mm -hmm. and in those early months of postpartum I was not ready to look at or heal those those wounds and so they just were perpetuated yes yes I just kept getting hurt in the same ways. And it it felt like people in power taking advantage of me when I felt like I was supposed to be able to rely on these people in power, whether it was a doctor or my mother.
1: Right, yeah. All these people that we put on pedestals.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what um, when you say you, you kind of were playing like you were okay, what was the did that feel like survival or like what, why, why did you feel like you had to do that?
2: You know, I don't even know if it was a conscious choice. Mm -hmm. Like I don't, since I didn't realize I wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. I just was, even though I wasn't, if Mm -hmm. that makes
0: sense. Do you remember (laughs) you came over to my house at one, I don't know which month it was.
2: Yeah, I think he was like six weeks old at that point. Wow.
0: Okay. Yeah. I remember, I'm just trying to remember how you were then. And I I can, as you're describing it now, I can see what you're saying. You did, you were playing like you were okay. And um, but yeah, and yes, your nervous system seemed stunned and you seemed like you were unreachable.
1: Mm,
2: yeah, that seems accurate. And I remember that too because. I feel like you had like asked a couple of questions and maybe I didn't seem that responsive. And there was part of me that was just like, Sarah, please go deeper, ask me more, open me up. And you were just like, she's not like, cause I was just playing it off, you know? Like it was, my walls were up yeah, Yeah. and you didn't, it wasn't your role to be the person to ask me to take those down. Although there was a part of me that was just every interaction. I was just hoping somebody would.
1: How are you actually?
2: Yeah, Yeah, actually. um, So we had, since he was just crying for hours and not sleeping and just, it was very challenging.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Our general, like our family doctor was like, oh yeah, babies cry a lot. It'll usually max out around six or eight weeks. And my husband and I are like, this doesn't feel normal. Mm -hmm. So we ended up going to an osteopath and she was another angel that I found because she's like, always listen to your mama intuition. And I don't know if that's what she said, but that's how I remember it. And she was a person that in those early weeks gave me permission to be empowered and to keep fighting for my kid and myself when I didn't feel like it was oh, like normal.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, who is that? Kathy Masco. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I've heard she's um,
0: a wizardy witch.
2: Yes. She is. <laughs> and I, so, okay, I saw her when I was pregnant because we were hoping that osteo, osteo would s- help flip the baby. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and so then she was just a natural person. When I was like, "My baby's messed up," and then she was like, "Yeah, he's messed up. (laughs) Like his body was."
1: Who's (laughs) facetiming (laughs) me, and why is that allowed on my computer? Why can't I touch it? Because you're not a touchstone. Decline. No, Chris, you can't Facetime me. You've never Facetime me in your life. Is this Probably... even a touch screen. I don't know. You're just trying to touch screen it because it's like a phone. it's a Facetime. Yeah, <laughs> He's like poking it, but Make it doesn't it go. He can stop. My phone is on silent. I don't like when things are connected like that. I mean, I guess we get all our texts on. computers Ugh. too. But yeah, Kathy was awesome.
0: Yeah, she is. Hmm. Um. Did you have any other questions for her about the first birth or do you want to go into her second one?
1: What would you want to say to somebody who is pregnant, first baby, never had a birth before and finds out their breach?
2: Hire Sarah and Uh Laura. Yes. (laughs) Get Get yourself a support team of people who can speak up for you because that's not your role. Mm -hmm. it is your role to be in touch with yourself and your baby and just birth your own way and get people on side that you can trust that you know are going to tell it to you straight and have the real conversations in moments that you're able to have that um yeah yeah the like It certainly was my experience that the hospital is a challenging place to attempt to have a vaginal breech birth Mm -hmm. I do believe there are people out there willing to support that I mean I'm hopeful I was able to um but in any way possible if you can step out of the fight for yourself as much as possible Allow other someone else to carry that battle, so that you can just birth.
1: Mm-hmm. We've had this conversation already twice today about <laughs> Sarah saw a post on a doula group where a doula was kind of arguing that it's actually not our job to advocate.
2: Mm. And maybe it's not, but no, no, there it, are. But, oh, but it, it is, is. It
1: is. Oh my okay. god! They, say, is. they are,
2: are yeah. different. <laughs> Well, I mean, you are advocates for sure. Maybe another right. doula isn't comfortable with that. I don't know. Yeah. But I'm, to me, that's their
0: inexperience, right? And that's letting themselves off the hook because then you're saying, well, you're only going to be there to, you know, rub backs and offer sips of water.
1: Well, I mean, that's not we what can hoped, so. yeah, We yeah. can do better. Yeah, we can do better. Sometimes I, it's all we're needed for. Sometimes that's it and that's okay. But yeah. when it comes if you understand birth and you understand the primal brain, exactly what you're saying is so true. And we see it time and time again, even arriving at the hospital is an assault on your nervous system for 99% of people. Yeah. We see it, knock them out of their labor pattern. We see the comments, knock them out. And it's exactly why you need a doula to have those conversations and to keep you on track without having to go fight battles.
0: Yeah. When Dr. Rachel Reed talks about liminality, like being, back beyond your prefrontal cortex where you're not in this decision-making fighting advocacy place and that's where you have a baby is in that kind of intuitive flowy um animal part of you and every time you're pushed back into this decision making it's like what happened to you in the beginning where you just are like stalled and slowed down and you're fighting and advocating and then it's like okay now we're done with that can I get back to my birth now yeah, And the closest thing we talk about in our prenatal class is like, it's like you're in sex and someone keeps knocking on the door and poking your yeah. head in and saying like, are we doing okay in here? And are like, are you oh, sure you
1: want to be in that God. position? Oh, I can't even get off if I can hear that my kids are
2: awake. <laughs> yeah. No, you like the, the more, more references you can make between birth and sex, the better. So, yes. Great. Right? Right? Because people know sex. Yes and they know what works and doesn't work and there is a big relation yeah
0: I
1: mean we talk a lot about sex and a lot about poop yeah we do yeah those are the two things we know I mean even I was pooping today in a chorus bathroom and I was like how weird is it that somebody's pooping in the stall beside me I can hear them pooping (laughs) for us breakfast yeah oh yeah yeah just imagine what it was like to have babies in a room beside somebody just like that did that used to happen yeah like oh yeah. sheet
0: between yeah. you yeah.
1: oh man between. that's a lot mm. the poop came But easily. that's
2: why yeah. i hired you both for my second
1: birth mm. because i was preparing for battle yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about your second experience <laughs> oh well when i got
2: when i uh We were very unsure if we were going to have a second baby because it was so hard the first time. Mm -hmm. And I still had so much hurt. And when we did, it was like we hinted, we're like, maybe we should think about it. Mm -hmm. And then we were pregnant like in a hot second. (laughs) So I was pregnant and I lost it. Uh, All of my pain came up and I cried for three weeks. Mm-hmm. And contemplated abortion. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't, I can't do that again. I thought okay. about the birth, I thought about the postpartum. I thought about the way I felt the things people said. And I was like, I can't. Nope, I'm not. I can't. And then I settled in. I don't know. Maybe I just cried a bunch, probably talked to my therapist. <laughs> and I was
1: like, yeah.
2: okay, yeah, I do, I do want this. I want this for many reasons. It's just my hurt that's telling me I don't. Mm-hmm. So, then, um, so then I was pregnant and again, it was glorious, but there was a, all of my birth trauma, uh, my childhood trauma. My pregnancy was physically beautiful and emotionally an upheaval of healing and healing and uh, the fear of ha- the past repeating itself. I actually took space from my parents while I was pregnant because I they felt so unsafe at the time. Yeah. And a lot of people didn't understand that. Mm. And I got pushed back on that. Mm. Yeah, but I stayed true to it because I knew I needed to feel safe.
1: Mm-hmm. It has so and- much to do with you and nothing to do with them. Yeah. 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 So
2: beautiful pregnancy and I don't know, I, I had a couple of ultrasounds and I don't remember which, I think I got one around like 28 or 30 weeks and it's like, okay, this is gonna be the one that tells if this baby is breached or not. And I was so anxious going into that. I remember talking to Sarah and she gave me, she said like, you can just give them a timeline tell them they're only allowed to be working on you for five minutes. And mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, okay. I can do that. Yeah. And it, by this time it's COVID. So I'm on my own at all of these appointments. I, I mean, my midwife, midwife appointments, I basically cried through all of them. That was awful.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and um, yeah. So, but then I had that appointment the baby wasn't breech it felt like a huge win and it was like okay i can have my home birth mm-hmm. so then we that happened <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then okay so yeah keep going yeah
1: um you want to hear all of it <laughs> yeah. right.
2: uh all right so i was 40 41 weeks goes by and I'm talking to my (laughs) midwife
0: like so
2: like how comfortable are you and they're like we can get to like 42 weeks Mm -hmm. before I start to think we need to talk hospital I'm like okay and they're like what's your comfort level I'm like I don't ever see a reason for me to go to the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I will turn into an elephant and have a baby in two years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then I'm walking through Harris park and 42 weeks is two days away. Wow. And I'm just walking with this like slow sway, taking big <laughs> breaths, just like each exhale thinking of my body, just being like, let it go like release down Just like was walking and then my water broke while i was walking through harris park you manifested that yeah yeah i could like feel it though it was like i just know something has to shift for this to happen so it did and poor sarah was then on a trip
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's like one of her biggest life regrets
2: (laughs) So Sarah was intended to be my like the doula present at my birth, and yeah. she wanted to be there so so bad, so and bad. Who goes to forty-two weeks on their second
1: baby? I did. I did. Okay. Yeah, hold on. I mean, you be there then. Nine yeah. years ago today. <laughs> oh yay!
2: Yeah. Oh. So yeah, then my water broke. Labor started happening just we're hanging out. Tyler put Wentz to sleep. I'm just like hanging, having contractions, loving it. Um, Called Laura. She's
1: just actually in the parking lot a block away. (laughs) (laughs) Because I had missed two births that weekend (laughs) by like 10 minutes. And I was like, this baby is not coming out without me being there. I am going to go hover outside of her house. <laughs> and I did. Yeah.
2: So Laura's stalking me and my baby. Yeah. And then we're like, okay, Laura, you can come. Why don't you come over now? We'll all hang out together. And then we were just like sitting, talking in my living room. You and Tyler are just like sitting on the couch. And so I'm like standing, rocking, kind of leaning over on my exercise ball
1: looking like a goddess sexiest woman ever in labor yeah
2: rocking birth the way I knew I could yeah and and then it's like I think we should call the midwife yeah and and then it all started happening and I'm crying and who
1: sidebar same midwife that also I did those last two births with that weekend who also missed the two births prior (laughs) so I was like we are not missing this (laughs)
2: So, and I remember in like the corner of my eye, she walks in and sees and then like speeds up and looks at you and she's like, I should have been here sooner. <laughs> like, it, it was your responsibility to get her there. <laughs> you always do that. There was like, how long have you been here?
1: Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, don't worry. I've only been here for five minutes. <laughs> I did my best. I was... Again, things like picked up and it was all just happening, right? You did.
2: Um, so anyway, I'm just I'm having a baby and there's people around me and things shuffling, and I'm leaning on the couch, and and then the midwife, I just she comes up beside me, she's like, No, I think it was you actually, Laura, and you're like, Are you pushing? I'm like, Yeah. Because I was just like in my own world. I wasn't giving people like headlines of like this is happening. Yeah, (laughs) this is Um, (laughs) really
0: yeah.
2: And then it was amazing and I think someone was like, do you want to catch her? And I was like, nope. (laughs) So then there's a baby and my husband was stunned because I don't think he even realized I was pushing. And if he knew I was, he thought it was going to take two hours because it was the last time. Um, so yeah, my water broke at, I think around seven and she was born at like 1146.
1: Mm -hmm. It was perfect. And Mm -hmm. Wentz woke up right before, which was when (laughs) He woke (laughs) up as I'm like, there's In a baby the head trenches. Yeah, <laughs> I'll never forget his little face when I picked him up and like carried him around your bottom, and he's like, <laughs> okay. "What is happening with my mom?" Yeah, yeah. So he was there.
2: So cute. Yeah. And then we had a baby. Yeah. And then we are a family of four, and she'll be one next week, I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You remember when you went outside?
2: yeah I was like I'm gonna go for a walk outside and I didn't even get off the deck I'm like no I can't <laughs> yeah
1: it I'm like not gonna make it, it. Was, like, exactly when it shifted she went outside and then were you crying did you cry when you went outside I feel Maybe. like I remember some tears yeah I, like, and then you I was, was like, the, like <laughs> it is a good when y'all's on her way because it's yeah. and then it was like 20 minutes later yeah <laughs> wow
2: Very, very different births.
1: Yeah. Night and day. Mm-hmm. How was postpartum the second time around?
2: Uh, it was better. I mean, I still wished that I could have laid around a lot more, but at that point I had another another kid. Mm-hmm. Um, we had tons of food in the free, that was like my number one thing both births actually, was like, just fill the freezer with food. Um, it was better. Like it was, I mean, physically with both postpartums, my body healed really well and relatively quickly. And my cat is meowing at the door. <laughs> um, so the next, po- I don't know. It was just better. It felt better. It certainly didn't hurt me. Mm-hmm. Like I just had space. Well, and it was the, a pandemic. So nobody wanted to come see me. Yeah. Like I didn't want them to do that either.
1: It's a great silver lining of
2: the pandemic. It really was. Yeah. 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 So it was good. I had space. Um. Although I did decide to move to Muskoka when she was two months old. Yeah. So that was like a bit of like okay, so now we're moving. So now I'm packing and I have two children. Mm-hmm. So that was maybe a lot, but... Sounds so relaxing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, it was better. And then moving up here, the winter was a bit rough. Like January was just freezing. I didn't have any friends really yet. And I felt like I just was... St- trapped in a house with two kids that I didn't know how to take care of Mm -hmm. um but it's definitely just rolled out and been pretty great like she's a very different baby as well very different temperament more um easily like easy to adapt and more joyful (laughs) Although I have a hard time saying that because it's not that my son's not joyful. He's just, uh, he's very contemplative and mm. she has a more lightheartedness to her. At least that's where they're at so far. Mm. Um,
0: mm-hmm. I remember when you were in that first month, do you mind talking to us about how you felt in that transition from one to two where all of a sudden it felt like your toddler is huge and loud and aggressive and you just mm. want your toddler away from you. So you can be with your baby. And I feel like a lot of people have a lot of fear around that. And in the other way too, where they think I have so much love for my toddler. How can I possibly have enough room or love or space in my heart for this baby? And then when it's the other way around, sometimes I even use you as an example where it's like, don't, you don't always have to worry about that. Sometimes it's that you have this precious little baby and you're more like, Oh my goodness, you're a huge human go away. (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it was, she just lo- felt so fragile
0: mm-hmm.
2: and he didn't know how to manage that. And he's a very big, rough, energetic, full person. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I felt like I was always telling him no, felt like mm-hmm. I was telling him to go away. Mm hmm. I felt like at times I was like, when it felt like he wasn't treating her well, I went into like mama bear mode to protect her. And it felt like I was attacking him, mm. which sucked. Yeah. Like protecting one child and, you know, lashing out at him. Like, I don't know what I would say, <laughs> get off her. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think I was more pleasant, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know we try to do a lot of positive reinforcement we need to be gentle please give marigold space but it just comes out differently when i'm yeah. stressed out and short tempered and short on sleep yeah and scared yeah. scared because you don't want her to get hurt mm-hmm. yeah like i was just yeah they're so tiny mm-hmm. and he did feel very big and uh, out of control like he he's it just felt like he didn't have much control over his body as much as he thought, you know, he'd be crawling over her all the time or I'd be holding her and then he would want to snuggle too. And it, just getting used to having both of them mm-hmm. with me was an adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. So much hands and bodies
0: on your skin. Mm-hmm. all the that, time. I can just feel that feeling of like, get off me. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Man. That touched outness. It's not yeah. part of my life now, but man, certainly was for the beginning years. I feel like it takes years to get over it. Yeah. It's true. I mean, Jacob's still a
2: stage five Kleon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely <laughs> all the time.
2: I have so <laughs> many bruises on my body from just like being kicked or like when they step, but their feet, like pinch your skin or pull oh, yeah. your skin, like oh, I am, I am the mom jungle gym. Yeah, like <laughs> both my kids are just climbing on me all the time. Especially if one is, then naturally it becomes two.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> wow, you are right in it, right? Yeah. It. Mm.
2: Yeah. Well, and Mare, yeah, Wentz will be four in September, crazy. and Mare turns one in like a week, so she's she's toddling like she's lear- taking a couple steps here and there
0: mm-hmm.
2: so yeah they're both very active and loud <laughs> yeah so-
0: <laughs> do you have any advice for people transitioning from one to two
2: get help like that's just always like call on your people you know like having someone either in the house to help or to take one of them for a walk or out, even if it's my husband or a friend or a family member, getting a few minutes with one can help. Like since we've had Wentz in daycare three days a week, mm-hmm. it's been really more comfortable because I feel like I have time with her. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't feel like I'm very good at tips (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing I'm just figuring it out and winging it and it never feels like I have enough help even though I do have quite a bit (laughs) so still not enough yeah no I mean Yeah. yeah I decided to start a business with two young kids (laughs) in a new town
0: (laughs) but you needed that like yeah part of your soul needed that and then like to hear you talk about the vibrancy of how you feel at the markets like yeah you just Mm.
2: did that yeah it is I'm very like I think well when I was so lost in postpartum with Wentz I had moved from Old South to Blackfriars and I immediately posted on the Facebook group, like, Hey, are there any moms in the neighborhood? Can we like hang out? And I created like a little mom group there and that taught me that I am a community creator and it Tyler and I had been talking about moving out of the city for quite a while. And that experience and knowing that I was able to connect with people and create a community around myself gave me more confidence to leave a city that I had grown up in and established friendships in and had all my family in I, I knew that if going somewhere different, I could I could repeat that in a different way.
0: Mm-hmm. And I have. Mm-hmm.
2: Amazing. Yeah.
1: Well, this community does miss you.
2: Oh. <laughs> I'm glad you're
1: feeling homey there.
2: Yeah. yeah, it's great. Oh, it's, yeah, it's been amazing. Like there's this woman that owns a shop and I was talking to her about business the one day and she just looks at me and she's like we've been waiting for you and it felt so true like it I really feel like I'm meant to be here I wouldn't have started I don't think I would have started the detour co if I wasn't here like the timing it just happened and it's all happened this way for a reason and we're really feeling awesome here that's so good Yeah, it is. Oh, I love that. Mm -hmm. Let's end on that note.
1: That feels so good. Are we going to ask the billboard question? If you could have a billboard,
0: what would it say?
1: (sighs) (laughs) Your eyeballs (laughs) just went
0: so huge. uh, Thanks for putting me on the spot. Yeah. I feel like we already have quotes from you if you can't come up with one. Yeah. You've already got, we all need each other. And you've, I feel like you said something about um mother earth that was
2: I mean that's really long
1: mm. it's long for a billboard I feel like a billboard needs to
2: be like a quick quick quote you know people drive by they've got four four milliseconds to read mm-hmm. it. unless
0: you're at a stop sign maybe you're the stop
2: sign billboard stop sign billboard
0: oh is that an option?
2: <laughs> yeah like
0: the one at like York and Wortley that one oh. you got so much time to look at it
1: That's true. It's a realtor board right now. I can name almost all. I got
2: it. I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. Give yourself space.
0: Yes. Oh, to what?
1: Whatever you want. It's your space. (laughs) I think it's one of my biggest, I don't know, not problems, but like you have no space things. I, I, things I want people to know about why you need to try your best to have a great birth because there is no space after you have your baby to heal from a birth that you could have done something different. Like all these people that are going into their first births and don't read a book and don't do a prenatal class and are going with the flow. And then it totally takes them by surprise. Like, like the medical technocratic model has you in
0: mind (laughs) instead of the care writer.
1: You need to do everything that you can to come out of a birth not needing to also heal emotionally from it more than necessary Mm -hmm.
2: yeah birth is so many things and i mm, yeah i mean the trauma comes from all sides i mean i was traumatized because i felt like i was forced to get an epidural and there's Mm -hmm. women that are traumatized because they don't get the epidural they want
1: Mm -hmm. It's true.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to have control of my birth and I didn't get that. And that hurt me, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: but there's others that do really trust the doctors. And then maybe when something happens differently with their body, it's just, there's so many ways it can go. So many ways. Yeah. And it's this balance of feeling empowered to know that you can, but also realizing anything can happen. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I don't, have you ever come across a woman have like having their first baby who was adequately prepared?
0: I was at one birth this summer where at the end she was like, that went exactly how I envisioned it. Yeah. And I was like, what? (laughs) Yeah. I've
1: never heard anyone say that. before.
0: Um, But yeah, that's a, that's a unicorn, but you're right. For the most part, you're, you're setting your, your head and your intention and your desires. And usually most people 99% hit a brink or a wall of like, I don't think I can do this. I don't know. You know, it's, it's hard and emotional and, and things go in various paths. And, and ultimately you can't decide all the, the uh, maybe the pieces, but you can, be made to feel safe and and you can feel good and not have trauma but yeah it is a
2: yeah there's definitely you're right there are unit like i have a friend who had horrific pregnancies but beautiful births mm-hmm. everyone's experiences are just so different
0: and i do like i am really in awe of the people who have a first birth that they don't need to recover from mm-hmm. because a lot of times that, you know, that de- desire to be so in depth in knowledge, um, doesn't come until there's something to heal from. Mm-hmm. And so, so many people have these, you know, beautiful second home births, or even the people who say, well, I'm going to have my first in hospital, but then I want to have the rest at home. And it's like, no, just start with the first one.
1: Mm-hmm. Not that it
0: has to be at home because obviously you can have a good hospital birth, but you know what I mean? Like like you talked about with the reading the anime Gaskin book. It's a, it's a good choice as a first read. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, even like, yeah, I, I guess the second time like pregnancy and birth, I just felt so in tune with my body and the baby. Like Marigold named herself while mm-hmm. I was pregnant. And I think having that landing and I didn't want a birthing pool the second time. Mm-hmm. I, was like, I yeah. won't need that. I'm just gonna lean on something. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I knew those things. Yeah. And it felt so good the second time to like have those knowings and then allow them to come to fruition where mm-hmm. I felt like that was cut out my first time. I had these knowings. Yes. shut them down. I wasn't allowed. I wasn't allowed to see those come to fruition. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. And that's that's a really Amazing point to make that there's kind of what's your own intuition, what's your own knowing, what your baby wants and how your baby wants to be born. And then where's the layer of what your care provider in the hospital wants and what they allow and what they interject and how they change your experience. That means that you then feel out of control, that things don't go the way you wanted, that, that really have nothing to do with you.
2: mm mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot that can happen that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Yeah. I love the merry good one out there. It just like, it's not your fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of systemic issues.
1: So many. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. I feel like we could talk to you all day, but let's wrap yeah. it up there. It's been That's so great. good to see
2: your face and talk to you. <laughs> we need to come up and visit you. Yeah, we do. Come hang.
1: We should. We-, we
2: have <laughs> our property is like kind of two sections, and there's a hill, and from that hill you can see the lake. So Ooh. that's like the campsite. My parents on oh. their tent trailer and they stay up there. Okay. And like our friends are coming up this weekend and they're camping up
1: there. Fun. <laughs> Sweet. We can do that. <laughs> yeah. We can make that happen.
0: Thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. We love you. Yeah. Love you
2: both. Hey, bye. Bye. Yeah.
1: We would just love it if you would take the time to leave us a five star rating, a review. If you'd subscribe to our show, you can screenshot it while you're listening to us and even share it on the gram. Remember, you are important too. Disclaimer we are not medical professionals. Everything
0: said here is our own opinion and not to be taken as medical advice. We do not take any responsibility from the outcomes of you taking our advice. Please seek medical advice from your trusted healthcare professionals.